No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where King Amaziah of Judah is assassinated, and Jeroboam II becomes king of Israel. Though Israel tries his patience, God looks upon their affliction and saves them. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 14 on Simply the Bible. King Amaziah had suffered a great defeat in battle at the hands of King Jehoash of Israel. It was humiliating. And Jehoash took him captive in Samaria. During this time, Amaziah's son, Azariah, was reigning as co-regent in Judah. We pick it up in 2 Kings 14, 17. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now, the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they formed a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. Now the problem was that when Amaziah was released from prison in Samaria some 15 years after the death of King Jehoash, his son Azariah was already king of Judah. They had made him king when Amaziah was in prison. So this presented a problem. Who would now be king? But the greater problem was that after Amaziah had defeated the Edomites, he began worshiping their gods. And he threatened to kill the prophet who rebuked him for this. Some unnamed leaders in Jerusalem formed a conspiracy against him. Amaziah then fled to Lachish, but they killed him there. This fulfilled the word that the prophet had spoken against Amaziah for his stubborn idolatry. This fulfilled the word that the prophet had spoken against Amaziah for his stubborn idolatry, where we read in 2 Chronicles 25, 16, he said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So they brought Amaziah's body back on horses and buried him in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Now this had occurred when Amaziah was first taken captive by King Jehoash. Azariah, who is also known as Uzziah, recaptured Elath, which was on the coast of the Sea Aqaba, which leads to the Red Sea. This is probably mentioned here because it was such a great accomplishment. This was a highly prized port once used by King Solomon as he would send ships out to the land of Ophir 
to bring back great quantities of gold. King Azariah, also known as King Uzziah, would become one of the better kings of Judah. He would reign for 52 years. Now, after this brief introduction to his reign, the narrative shifts back to Israel. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. King Jeroboam II served as co-regent with his father for 11 years. The 15th year of Amaziah, when he was imprisoned in Samaria, marked the beginning of Jeroboam II's sole reign. This reign lasted for 41 years, longer than any other king of Israel. He was another bad king in Israel. Of course, they were all bad. Like his namesake, Jeroboam, he walked in the sins of the first Jeroboam who had set up golden calves in Bethel and Dan, making them objects of worship for the entire nation and alternative altars to the altar at the temple in Jerusalem. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. Now, while Jeroboam was not a godly leader, he was prosperous and he had many military victories. During his reign, he recaptured the territory that Israel had lost and expanded her borders to almost the same places where they were during the reign of King Solomon. Hamath was over 150 miles northeast of the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Arabah was the Dead Sea. So he clearly expanded the borders of Israel. Apparently, Jonah the prophet had spoken this word that Jeroboam II would accomplish this. Yes, this is the same Jonah that was swallowed by a whale. He was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel during this time, as was Hosea and Amos. Now, if you read their books, you'll get extra credit for our study because they tell you more of what was going on spiritually behind the narrative that we get in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And that's always interesting when you look at the history, but you also look at the prophets who God sent to call the people back to himself. I sometimes wish we had a Bible that interposed the two things, but we'll just have to kind of do it ourselves. Unfortunately, this particular prophecy of Jonah we don't have. We only have the record of his disobedience and subsequent preaching to Nineveh. Verse 26, for the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash. Now, this reminds me of what the Lord said when he called Moses from the burning bush on Mount Sinai. He said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, 
for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you see the similarity? God was looking at their affliction. He saw the affliction of his people when they were in bondage in Egypt, and he saw their affliction now that they were under the rule of these bad kings in Israel. Even though they had turned away from the Lord and were unfaithful to him like an unfaithful wife, he was not willing to blot out their name from under heaven because he looked upon their affliction and saw that they had no helper. He had compassion upon them. You know, there are people that say that the God of the Old Testament is harsh. I don't see where they get that. The more I study the Old Testament, the more I realize how many second and third and fourth and fifth chances God continued to give his people and how patient he was with them, even though they forsook him. He would ultimately bring the curses of the law against them, but he was so slow to do it. And we see the heart of God's compassion here, but we also see it in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. This reminds me of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, where it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We may look around and we see that a lot of things are out of order. We might think the nation's going down the tubes. But you know what? God still looks at this world. He looks at our nation. And Jesus has compassion upon his people. He has compassion upon those who are helpless and harassed and without hope and without God in this world. And he desires to see them come to him because that's the only way that they will be saved. And so as he looks upon all of the lost sheep and he looks upon this great harvest that is ripe for the picking, he says, look, if you want to have my heart, then do this. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray that he will send forth the laborers to work this harvest field. Why? Because God always has been a God of compassion who looks upon the affliction of people and he desires to save them. He's not willing that any should be lost, that any should perish eternally, but that all should come to repentance. And I believe God wants us to share that heart and to pray and to labor diligently so that we might see more lost sheep come into the kingdom. It's always been God's heart. If he can have that heart for a nation that knew better and yet totally rebelled against him and still desire to bless them in the midst of that and give them land that they really didn't deserve, then how much more does he want to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that perhaps have been ignorant and never even heard the gospel? 
Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, and how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus and Hamath what had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? That's a book we don't have. We have the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah, but not the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel. Then Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. I hope this text gives you hope to understand that God is not your enemy. God loves you and God is for you, not against you. The only thing that's against you is sin and Satan. But as soon as we come to that place of repentance and that love for God and faith in Jesus Christ, he takes us where we're at, he cleanses us from our sins, and he gives us new life. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your amazing love for us, even when we don't deserve it. And Father, I just pray for anyone who would be listening to this today, Lord, especially those who may feel alienated from you. They may feel distant from you, but God, you love them and you look upon their afflictions and you desire to pull them up out of the pit and bring them to a place of safety. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them near to yourself today and that they would call upon your name, Lord Jesus. For you said, Lord, that whoever calls upon your name shall be saved. We thank you, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where King Azariah, also known as King Uzziah, has a long reign in Judah. He is a good king who accomplishes much, but he makes one big mistake. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible